Hello and welcome back to SciPodNet's Science of Sustainability series. We're your hosts, Ben Nealon and Charlotte Renault. Today we'll be taking a look at a phenomenon you might have heard could save the world from climate change one day, carbon capture. We're also excited to be joined later by a fully-fledged expert in carbon capture technology who works in the industry, Joel Flitton. So before we're joined by Joel, I thought we could quickly jump into exactly what carbon capture is and why it's being looked at as an answer to the planet's environmental woes. Charlotte, I think you've done some reading into this. Yeah, so carbon capture, sometimes referred to as carbon capture and storage, or CCS in industry, is exactly what it says on the tin. It's the capturing of CO2 emissions before they enter the atmosphere. So CO2 is one of the predominant greenhouse gases in our atmosphere, and there's been an upsurge in interest in this process as a potential way to improve sustainability of industrial processes. Obviously, we need to reduce our emissions if we want to stay below the 1.5 degree target to help save the Earth. And carbon capture offers a way to simply alter our current manufacturing and energy generation processes instead of totally overhauling them. That makes it a really attractive prospect for the industry because it means that they can continue to carry out their processes as they already have, but instead of releasing CO2 into the atmosphere, they can capture that CO2 and store it back into the earth. When applied in industry, the process often involves capturing, purifying and compressing the carbon dioxide that's released. It can then be transported and stored, usually via injection into rock formations. And the biggest hurdle is ensuring that carbon streams extracted are pure and don't include other chemicals such as sulfurs and water. So it's really important um, to purify carbon dioxide that is captured from industrial processes before continuing um, with the carbon capture and storage process. I think it's also really important to remember that carbon capture isn't just an industrial process. It's like a phenomenon that occurs naturally and has done for millions of years. It really is like the foundation of like the modern life. So innately chemical and biological, it's really helped maintain the careful atmospheric balance over the years. Because if you think about it, like plants and trees are an active carbon capturer. They absorb CO2 from the atmosphere and convert it to oxygen via photosynthesis for energy. And then in the ocean, phytoplankton act as powerful carbon sink where they soak up the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere as they grow. And then as they die, they bring the carbon dioxide down into the ocean with them. So really, carbon capture has been happening for millions and millions of years. Just in an industrial context, we're trying to speed up the process, so to speak. That's so true. And often when you hear the words carbon capture, we do relate it to kind of retrofitted devices on power plants or new novel technologies. Um, But you're right, it's existed for billions of years and it goes to show how much human innovation is really inspired by nature. Since we're learning more about carbon capture, we might as well learn about it from an expert. We're lucky enough to be joined by Joel Flitton, Sales Director at Acker Carbon Capture, a carbon capture technology company based in Scandinavia. Hi Joel, thank you for joining us. Would you be able to start by giving a brief background to your career and your current role at ACA Carbon Capture? Yeah, sure. My, my background then, I'm, um, I'm a geologist actually by education. I studied geology at Cardiff University. After graduating, I went on to join the oil and gas industry and I worked as a, an explorationist um, trying to look for, for oil and gas reserves, mainly focused in, in Norway and also in West Africa. 
Um, and uh, during my time in oil and gas, I ended up working for a Swedish company based in Stockholm. And, uh, and while I was part of that company, um, one of the projects we were involved with was um, trying to identify storage sites for CO2 in the, in the Baltic Sea region. So that's my first exposure to carbon capture and storage, but that was some time ago. About uh, two, three years ago, I moved, um, I moved companies and uh, I continued to work in oil and gas, but I was looking for something new and something fresh. And I wanted to, to get into the, into the transition, energy transition space. Um, and I saw this, uh, an opportunity with Acker Carbon Capture um, come up when they were looking for a sales director for, for the Swedish region. Um, and, and I joined them uh, in May of this year. So um, since the spring, I've been um, busily trying to establish a footprint for Acker Carbon Capture here in Sweden and also in Finland. So that's, uh, that's, um, that's what I've been up to. Um, why would you say the industry needs carbon capture technology and where does it hold the most potential? Well, that's a big question. Um, why does the industry need carbon capture technology? I think ultimately um, we're all well aware of the fact that, um, that we need to decarbonize industry. Um, the Paris Agreement in 2015 um, has uh, given us targets to limit global warming to well below two degrees. Um, preferably below one and a half degrees Celsius compared to pre-industrial levels. Uh, currently, the Earth is about, well, just over one degree warmer than it was in the late 1800s. Um, and emissions are, are continuing to rise. So we've got a bit of an issue there. Um, in order to try to keep global warming below one and a half degrees, we need to reduce our CO2 emissions to net zero effectively by 2050. And there's also some interim targets in there. We need to reduce our emissions by 45% by 2030. And that's not very far away. And the struggle we've got here is that we need energy and the global population is projected to increase by 2 billion people by 2050. And all of those people are going to require energy as well. So there is a bit of a, a task at hand here to try to be able to support population growth in a sustainable way, whilst reducing our CO2 emissions. And one of the ways we might be able to do that is through carbon capture and storage. In your opinion, how has the demand for carbon capture technology changed in the last few years? Well, I think there's been a realisation in the last few years that we need to get a move on with trying to find measures that will enable us to reduce our emissions. Very roughly speaking, in the developed world, we, we use about 40 to 50,000 kilowatt hours of energy per person. But in, in the undeveloped world, they use, they use less than a tenth of that. And in, in parts of Africa, they use less than 1% of that amount per capita. And the, these countries, they're going to go through their industrialization. These developing countries are going to want to um, improve the standards of living for their populations. And that's going to require a massive increase in, in energy, um, which is going to, unfortunately, if we continue the way we're going, uh, infer a massive increase in CO2 emissions. I think people are now starting to realize that in order to be able to support population of this planet, to be able to maintain this planet in, in any sort of um, semblance of, of a livable state that, that we've all become accustomed to, um, we're going to have to try to implement some, some pretty radical technologies. Um, I think carbon capture is, is a key one because it will enable us to 
transition to hopefully, and I think we all hope and we all, we're all agreed that we want to have a, a future where we're 100% renewable and we only use green energy. But it's going to take some time to get there. So, so CCS gives us, a, gives us an opportunity to manage that transition, um, but at the same time, make some pretty radical cuts in CO2 emissions um, using the energy sources that we've got available to us today. So in, in Sweden, where I'm based, and, uh, and, and just across the, uh, the Baltic Sea in Finland, they've got some fairly ambitious net zero targets. In Sweden, they want to be net zero by 2045, and in Finland, in 2035. And that's, um, that's a hugely ambitious ask. Uh, but in order to, to be able to do that, they're going to have to implement a number of measures. And, um, and what's interesting in this part of the world, at least, is that carbon capture and storage, and, and moreover, bioenergy of carbon capture and storage could be a really good pathway to decarbonizing uh, industry here, both uh, heavy industry, but also um, in providing uh, biological sourced CO2 for use in um, synthetic fuel projects. And that's uh, one of the, the big drivers that we see in this part of the world. So you mentioned helping to reach net zero targets, but I just wondered if there were any ways that companies such as yourselves could use renewable energy sources such as wind and solar in tandem with carbon capture to help reduce CO2 levels in the atmosphere. I mean, the hard fact that we need to realise here is that Today, about a quarter of the world's electricity is produced using renewable sources or, or comes from renewables. When I was a toddler, when I was just two years old, it was it was 20% of the world's electricity was produced or came from renewables. So despite all the progress we've made in the last three, four decades, um, in terms of the overall contribution to the to the, energy, the electricity requirements of the world, um, we've made a small dent. So I think in order to really start to ramp up uh, the scale at which we decarbonize um, the energy the energy sector and specifically electricity generation, it's going to be necessary to use a whole portfolio of different techniques. And it will be both renewables, but also in the near to midterm, it's going to be critical, I think, to implement carbon capture and storage at scale. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Um, and would you be able to discuss a little bit more about how ACA's carbon capture technology works specifically to reduce CO2 emissions? Absolutely, yeah. So our technology is what's, what's referred to as a post-combustion carbon capture technology. So essentially, we try to catch the CO2 from the flue gases of, of an emitting of a point source emission. And that could be anything from a, a power station or a, um, a cement facility or um, a waste to energy facility. Wherever there's a flue gas that contains CO2, um, potentially you can, you can use our technology. Um, actually, the, the technology that we use isn't um, particularly complicated and it's been around for some decades now. Um, and it's based on a very sort of simple reversible chemical reaction whereby we'll take the flue gas from the, the emitting source and then we'll treat it and cool it down a bit before we um, then we, we feed it into this thing called an absorber. And in the absorber, we shower it with um, our proprietary solvent, which is an amine based solvent. And, and the CO2 within the flue gas reacts with the solvent 
and creates a sort of what we call um, a CO2 rich solvent, which we can then drain from the absorber and take to the desorber, where we essentially reverse the, re the chemical reaction. Um, and from that, the CO2 is driven off and provides a very pure stream of CO2, which can then be um, can then be compressed and, and liquefied or conditioned to, to be used in some other um, utilization project, maybe. Um, and and the and the solvent is re um, it, the lean solvent is then fed back into the into the absorber in a sort of a closed loop cycle, and that's that's quite an important part of our process. So the the solvent is recycled every um, every time it goes through this process, and, and there's very little um, very little solvent loss. Um, it's quite an efficient process. Are there any concerns about health and safety profiles of these solvents? How have ACA worked to ensure that their solvents are safe? Our, our process is um, an amine-based solvent. So the, in the past, there's been some um, concern over the, the HSE profile of these solvents. Um, the benchmark, I think, or the base case for, for amine-based solvents is monoethanolamine, MEA. And the problem with that is it's extremely reactive and reacts with just about everything in the flue gas and can produce all kinds of nasty degradation products, which if they got into the atmosphere um, could be quite unpleasant and, and harmful to uh, potentially to human health. So ACA carbon capture has been on an extensive R&D um, uh, initiative to develop HSE friendly solvents that we can use in our process. And we're part of this solvent R&D initiative in Norway um, with, with support from the Norwegian government to develop these very HSE friendly, biodegradable, well understood amine based solvents. And today we've got a portfolio of proprietary solvents which we can use in our technology um, and, and they're extremely stable. They, they don't degrade and they don't produce any of these uh, potentially hazardous degradation products. So um, in that sense, it's a, uh, it's um. It, it, it's a real benefit to be able to able to um, have a solvent which is is HSE friendly, but moreover, it's also highly energy efficient as well. So a lot of the criticism of carbon capture in the past has been that it's it's expensive and it, and it uses a lot of energy just in the process. But one of the advantages of our proprietary solvents is that it's 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 really energy efficient, and we can actually capture CO two at, at, at quite a reasonable cost now compared to some of the past technologies. A major fear is that carbon capture technology isn't economically viable, um, especially sort of compared to just not not capturing your carbon. So as of 2018, it was estimated that it cost around $600 per tonne of carbon captured. Uh, how would you mitigate these fears in someone looking to integrate carbon capture technology into their industrial processes? Well, I'd say that six hundred dollar per ton is is, um, is is extremely expensive, um, whichever way you cut it. But today we're we're nowhere near that. Um, we're actually we're closer to one tenth that cost. Um, as I said, it's it's a it's a mature technology that we're we're implementing here. And today we are implementing it. This isn't just a concept. This is something we're delivering at a commercial scale to some some big facilities. Um, the uh, the Norsem cement plant, for example, in in Brevik in Norway, we're currently delivering one of our 400,000 tonne per annum big catch carbon capture plants. And that's part of a, a broader initiative called the Longship Project 
which is um, um, an initiative in Norway to try to demonstrate the viability of the full carbon capture and storage value chain. And we're also we're also delivering to um, the Twents waste to energy facility in Holland, and and there we're delivering one of our Just Catch 100. So that's one of our standard modularized plants, which captures. 100,000 tons of, of CO2 per year, or up to 100,000 tons of CO2 per year. And that's an interesting project because it's a, it's a CCU project or a, a carbon capture and utilization project. And ultimately there, the captured CO2 will be taken to, to local greenhouses and, and pumped into those to stimulate growth of, uh, of the tomatoes or, or, um, or whatever it is they're growing in, in those greenhouses. Um, and in those two projects, it's, it's been demonstrating that we can capture the co2 at a reasonable cost um, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be engaging in these projects if it was if it was prohibitively expensive okay great that was really interesting thank you um, and where do you see the future of carbon capture technology heading are there any like specific technological or scientific milestones that you foresee coming in the near future or in the much further future um, it's it's all about I think implementation now and realizing these projects and um, and um, and and trying to get carbon capture off 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 the ground. Although there's been a number of projects which have have been implemented, but it's all you know, they're few and far between. Um, there was a sort of a false dawn I think for carbon capture, um, sort of the beginning of the last decade, and unfortunately there wasn't really the the regulatory support or the policy support to to enable it to be implemented at scale. But today, there's all sorts of um, incentives to, to, um, to decarbonize and, and, and to use, I think carbon capture is, is probably the, the most viable pathway for many industries to, to decarbonize. Um, and that can be both push incentives such as the, um, the, uh, the carbon taxes or the, uh, the EU ETS um, emission trading scheme um, instrument, which has been uh, developed within in the EU to to motivate those that are emitting fossil CO two emissions to to decarbonise. Um, and moreover, there's quite a lot of funding available as well, both from the EU and from from national budgets to 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 get these projects off the ground and implemented. So it's um, I think that's where the focus is going to be in the in the near to mid term is is now taking this from from a few projects here or there um, and demonstration projects and and the sort of really early innovators that are trying to adopt new technologies to have it more of a sort of a mass market adoption of the of the technology the industry has also seen a recent interest in bio-enabled carbon capture what can you tell us about that okay so with with um bioenergy with carbon capture and storage and that's something that's particularly important in in scandinavia and um, and where i'm based in sweden and also in Finland. And this is uh, where you would implement the carbon capture uh, at a facility where the majority, if not all of the CO2 emissions come from a, um, a biogenic source. Rather than putting a fossil fuel feedstock into the, into the boiler, such as uh, um, oil or gas or, or e even coal, they use a, um, a biogenic feedstock such as wood residues from the, from the forestry industry, or indeed, um, uh, sustainably sourced um, wood pellets to, to fire the boiler. And the beauty there is if you, if you capture the CO2 that's released by those facilities 
and then you are to sequester it permanently in the in the subsurface in geological so storage you're in effect creating a negative emission so every ton of co2 that is captured by the plant originally during its its growth as it uh, as it builds its cellular structure through photosynthesis it locks the co2 within its within the wood or the leaf or the part of the plant um, and then when you burn it you, you release that co2 but if you are to capture it and then store it that co2 is then being permanently removed from the atmosphere and, and it creates what's what's known as a negative emission and these are very useful um, for a number of reasons you can you, you can offset almost impossible to abate industries which we discussed a little bit earlier um, and perhaps uh, where we see a huge demand now starting to grow is actually rather than sequestering that co2 is, is using it again by combining it with with hydrogen which has been produced through electrolysis and and we can use um, green power to produce the electricity for the um, for the electrolysis of water to produce h2 and then um, in a methanation plant you can create methane or indeed you, um, in a methanol synthesis plant you can create methanol which by combining the h2 with the with the co2 um, and then that can produce these e-fuels which can be used to decarbonize the transportation industry and i think that's that's something that we're going to see um, um, really picking up pace especially in in scandinavia um, as we look to here to to decarbonize and get to net zero and one of the big industries which is going to be difficult to to abate is obviously the aviation and the, the maritime um, transportation industries so that's quite an interesting um, development which uh, is, is really starting to pick up pace here in in Scandinavia and, and the beauty of Scandinavia is that there's already something in the order of or at least in Sweden 30 to 40 million tons of bio, bio co2 emitted each year in existing facilities this this co2 is already being being emitted and today is just going off into the atmosphere and and the value that's now been attributed to bio co2 makes that quite an interesting dilemma for the emitters because they have this very valuable commodity which which today they're just venting off into the atmosphere um, so it's, it's no good for the environment and it's a complete waste of an opportunity for them so we're seeing a lot of movement now with with the bio emitters uh, coming to us and saying we understand that there's a great demand for our bio, bio co2 um, how are we going to how are we going to capture it and be able to provide it to those that, that need it for their projects and that's something I, th I think there'll be a quite a lot of development with over the next um, few years. Uh, we want to say a thank you to Joel for joining us today and telling us all about the wonderful work that ACA is doing in this space. I feel like I've really learned a lot about carbon capture technology and how it's developed over the years, as well as how it's heading in the future. Um, Charlotte, do you think you learned anything new today? Yeah, I was um, actually really shocked to hear um, how there hasn't been a huge progress in the amount of renewable energy that we use as a country. So when Joel mentioned that about 30 to 40 years ago, 20% of um, electricity came from renewable sources, but today it's only a quarter. It really shows you how much further we still have to go um, to kind of reach our net zero targets. Yeah, I found personally, I found the part about bio-enabled CCS really interesting and creating negative carbon emissions. Um, they did mention that it was sort of still quite an emerging market, but it'll be really interesting to see how that sort of develops in the next five to 10 years. I agree. 
Also, Joel talked a lot about what's going on in Scandinavian countries, but there are also carbon capture projects underway in the UK. HiNet is a project supported by a few different companies and their aim is to provide the infrastructure to produce, transport and store low carbon hydrogen across the northwest of England and North Wales. Part of their initiative also focuses on developing infrastructure to capture, transport and lock away carbon dioxide emissions from the industry. So it will be really exciting to see similar developments happening right on our doorstep in the next few years. We also want to thank our listeners for listening to this episode. Be sure to head over to our Twitter at SciPodNet and let us know if you learned anything new about our carbon capture and how it works. Also, remember to give us a follow if you want to stay in the loop and be the first to hear about future podcasts. You can also find us on LinkedIn now. Just search for the Scientific Podcasting Network on LinkedIn and you can follow us there as well. Thank you for listening.